This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Confident in telling you that we are tagged out, because I just smoked that deer. Nice job. It's been really tough hunting, to be honest with you. You're listening to the Scree Country Podcast. This has been a this has been something that we've been talking about for um, a while, and it's finally coming to fruition. So, uh, this is the Scree Country Podcast. I don't know how many people listening knew that this might happen one day, but but it has been something that we've talked about for quite some time. Uh, Mike Nielsen, founder and owner of Scree here with me how are you today mike doing awesome man yeah we've we have talked about it for some time and uh it, it's great that it's finally coming to fruition um you know i think one thing as hunters uh we, we we love to talk about hunting um and there's a lot of different topics there's a lot of different issues uh hunting really the evolution of hunting is is in and of itself is a very interesting topic and so I think we hope to cover a lot of these different topics uh, as we begin this this new podcast. Yeah, I Scree Scree as a brand. Um, I have been involved now with Scree for five or six years, and Scree as a brand has grown tremendously in its reach um, from a a company and a brand that was started out west. Uh, by a bunch of guys that enjoyed mule deer and elk and western hunting but also had a, a keen interest in all types of hunting and and now of course the brand has grown to uh, stretch out into the east and into other markets people like myself becoming involved um, and I am in Louisiana Mike is in Utah um, and we do kind of represent a eastern western uh, representation, but the name of the podcast is Scree Country, and I I know for me what that means is 
you know, the country, we've used the hashtag. If you follow along, and, and if you don't, encourage you to, but if you follow along with, with Scree social media, and specifically uh, with YouTube and some of the, the outdoor content that we've put out there, we've used the hashtag Scree Country in a lot of things. It kind of identifies some of our video series on YouTube, some of the different hunts. And those, those hunts go from following Mike on um, hunts in Alaska for big game all the way to uh, myself hunting in my backyard with my son. All of that is Scree Country. Right. Country to me means where do you enjoy the outdoors? Right. Is that what do you yeah, think? Yeah. You know, I don't know. My, uh, my, my, my grandpa and my dad always used to use that term. We would, we'd be hunting a new area or a new canyon. And, you know, my dad would lean over and whisper to me early, you know, the first light, you know, boy, this is good looking country, you know, and I, to me, that's what it is. I mean, street country is where, wherever you hunt, whether that's in the hardwoods uh, of the Midwest or in the South or in the Intermountain, the Rocky Mountain West, you know, the Pacific Northwest, Alaska, South Africa. I mean, there's hunting on virtually every continent in the world. And, and so scree country is really where, where you're hunting. And, and we hope to cover topics on a lot of geographical areas um, and uh, you know, the, the, the wild game and the wild places. And um, yes, we, we really hope to, to cover a vast uh, geographical area in terms of hunting and the evolution of hunting. Yeah. I, um, I'm excited about, uh, about what, what this can be, but I, and we talked about introducing the podcast with, with, with a, an introductory kind of uh, episode here where we we introduce this to everyone and you and I as the co-host of the project and just really trying to cover the basis of what this is going to be about and encourage you and intrigue you if you're listening to continue and to share it with other people. But I, And I think one of the greatest things that we can do right now is uh, is to just kind of get as the founder of Scree, get you to tell us a short, just kind of a short story of, 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 of how the concept of Scree came about. I know that working the trade show element for Scree for, for many different locations and just sharing and, and, and talking to people, a lot of people don't even understand what Scree <clears throat> is. They think it's an acronym for something else. Um, I think identifying that would be a great way to introduce people to the brand through this podcast. I, I want you to do that. I, I, that, I just think that would be a great yeah, way yeah, I'll try and give you the reader's digest version of that. But really, I think it just started with, with my dad um, taking me hunting when I was a kid. And, and I mean, I just, um, I mean, I cut my teeth on hunting. I remember at an early age, my dad um, preparing for hunts. And I remember he, he had his gear spread out over the living room floor and he was kind of taking an inventory and it. It's nothing like, you know, um, when, when you talk about the evolution of hunting, it's nothing, you know, the, the, the gear that we have today is so vastly different than the gear that they had back then. And I mean, uh, essentially, I remember dad throwing a, a rope, a pocket knife, a couple apples and some snacks in a, um, a little, a little backpack. And, and that's, you know, pretty much what, what it consisted of. But anyway, I think at a young age, I was, um, 
I was very interested in, in hunting. I loved it. Um, I loved hunting with my dad and, um, and that even kind of evolved into my, my fascination with, with gear and recognizing that, um, you know, being properly equipped with the right kind of gear would help to facilitate success. And, um, I remember really the idea for scree kind of materialized on a, a trip that I, a friend of a friend and I took to Alaska and, uh, we, um, we had actually various tags. Um, we had a grizzly, grizzly bear tags, doll sheep tags and, and, um, moose tags, the, the three of us. And, uh, we, we had a, a good friend of ours that was our guide and they, they dropped us, um, way back into the, the Alaska range, uh, pretty remote location. And we actually started out by hunting sheep. And I remember day three of that hunt, um, I had a, had a pretty expensive pair of pants, hunting pants that I'd purchased. And, uh, they were, they were brand new. They were supposed to be the best of the best. And, and, uh, day three, um, the, the, the crotch area of the pant completely came unstitched. And I, I just thought, man, alive, I paid a lot of money for these pants. And, um, there's, there's gotta be a better, there's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be a more, um, responsible way to produce quality gear, um, at, at a responsible price. And that's really where the idea for Scree began is how do we, um, how do we build quality gear, um, you know, with no compromise in craftsmanship, in quality, um, in performance, but at a responsible price. And so really that's, that's where the foundation of, of Scree began. And, uh, you know, we really, um, we really cut our teeth on, um, learning what we wanted in our gear as hunters, right? I mean, we, you, you kind of learn what you like and what you don't like pretty quick when you get a piece of new gear. And so really that's that, and it just kind of evolved from there. Um, in, uh, 2016 at the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo, we released our first seven pieces and um, really away we went, man. And we were, we were really, really shocked at um, how fast the company grew. And I think it, it grew because hunters, um, you know, blue collar hunters related to us. Um, they recognized that we did have high quality gear that was that, that checked all the all the performance boxes right we all we all have those boxes that we want checked as hunters we want something that has great performance we want something that has a great anatomical fit with good range of motion um that's rugged that's durable and it's just gonna to stand up to um you know the abuse that we as hunters uh give our gear so Really, that's in a nutshell. That's really how how Scree um, began and and has evolved. Well, so this is a this is a funny not not a funny, but just kind of a a question that I know many people who have purchased Scree and and followed the brand want to know where did the name come from? How was the name developed? Because that is like the most common question that I have gotten 
working in the scree booth at at different uh, expos and shows is what does that stand for? What does that mean? Right. So, uh, well, if you've ever if you've ever hunted in the West or if you've ever hunted in Alaska or really any of the mountains, mountainous areas for that matter, you will have probably crossed what we call a miserable pile of rocks. Um, basically, what it is 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 um, over thousands of years, you get water that will will um, form in in the cracks of cliff faces. And then that water uh, freezes each winter and then thaws. And then that, that it, it begins to make that rock crumble off those cliff faces. And then it forms a pile of rocks um, known as a scree slide. It's actually the, the spelling of that is S-C-R-E-E. Um, as we were kind of coming up with the name, we didn't really like the way that looked in um, the format of a logo. Um, but scree, the, in the pronunciation of scree, it's actually S-K-R-E. Um, and so we really, really like the way that that looked in terms of a, a logo. And so anyway, that's that's what a scree, if scree slide is. If you've ever crossed those miserable things, um, uh, they're, you know, it, they're, they're very rugged. And we feel like that um, aligns very well with um, what our gear is in terms of uh, ruggedness and durability. But that's what that's what scree that's where the name came from that's i know i know you didn't you answered a lot of questions for a lot of people because like i said i i have had that question and i kind of knew the story but i wanted it to come from you <laughs> well so, that's, uh, that's the great thing about podcasts is that um that, that it is it is audio and you know, we, we we do get a kick out of people that have mispronounced the name i think we've been called scrap a fair number of times and that's okay. Um, but it is, uh, just, just for the record yeah. is scree. It's pronounced. Scree. Yeah. The most common thing that I have heard from people, uh, through my engagement, uh, is everybody assumes it's an acronym or something. S K R E. What does S K R E stand for? You know? Uh, so it's just a creative way to, uh, what do you, what, I guess, brand, like you said, something that's rugged and built for the outdoors. And uh, so it, it actually is very creative, very, very, very creative. Um, you know, I'll say for my part, I, I, I got started working with you guys around 2016, 2017, and uh, really just kind of started by helping to grow the brand into the whitetail and turkey and eastern market and um you know it's been uh it's been a lot of fun we've gotten to see a lot of places and do a lot of things and it's uh we've tried to expand the media and expand the reach and provide a lot for the community i mean it's kind of that and we're in a different time now in 2022 and you know, that's one of the things that I thought is uh, is really interesting. It will be very interesting to see as outdoorsmen. And um, just because we work in the outdoor space doesn't mean that we are not, you know, as podcast hosts and business owners and, and, and for me, uh, a marketer and, and whatever in, in our space, we're still 
we are still worried and we are still uh, we're still beholden to a lot of the same issues that our customers and clients and colleagues and and that's you know really about the economy and and what's that going to look like this year um, I know for me, I, I don't, I don't know about you. It's one of the questions I want to ask you about on this. I, I did, I, I drew a Kansas tag for like the ninth year in a row, which is really amazing. Honestly, um, I had a friend text me when I, when I got my tag the other day and it's like, well, do you have plans? And I said, I don't, because I honestly didn't expect to draw. I just figured as many years as I've drawn, um, that I'd be left out this year. And I wasn't, um, and I know people are drawing tags and they're looking at gear. What is your, what do you think, Mike? Travel is going to be an issue. The economy is tough Well, um, it, and it, it, for the hunter. It is, it is, but you know, I think, look, I think, uh, I mean, as crazy as this world is, I think everybody needs an outlet. Um, and for us as hunters, that is our outlet, right? Hunting. Um, yeah. I, think it, I think it helps keep us sane. It's a great, there's something special about getting out into um, God's finest creation, mother nature. And, and, um, you know, spending time with family and, and friends. And, and I, I know we'll talk more about this. I mean, for me, hunting's not just about, it's not just about the kill. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many more things and I know Locke, you, you do a lot of hunting with your, with your sons. And, and for me, I think as I get older, it's, it's, it's more about that, but yeah, I mean, if the future kind of seems unsure, you know, you talked about, you weren't sure you were going to draw a tag. Um, and that's really a topic all in itself is, I mean, to, you know, I don't know how it is in the East, but here in the West, it's getting progressively harder to draw tags. In fact, where I live, um, we're going through a prolonged drought and, and that affects um, the wildlife in the region where we, we live especially mule deer um, mule deer in the west right now have um i mean they're they're hurting pretty bad there's there's a lot of things that the forces that are working against them like cwd disease and, and a lot of other things and um so so anyway yeah it's to, to your point it's getting it's getting harder to get tags and it's getting you know the opportunities um i think seem to be shrinking um you know, and on top of that, I mean, gas, gas isn't cheap. Like you said, with the, uh, um, you know, the ec economic forecast right now, is it looking so hot with gas that's over $5 a gallon? And, you know, I just took a, I just actually got back from a trip to Canada. We went up there and, and hunted uh, bears with an outfitter up there. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, I, I, I think, and we drove all the way up from Utah to, uh, to Saskatchewan to about central south, uh, southeastern Saskatchewan. And I, we took a couple trucks up and I, I, I think we spent over a thousand dollars in, in fuel. So, um, yeah, man, the future kind of seems uncertain, but I think, look, the bottom line is, is hunters are going to hunt. Um, you know, maybe we have to get a little bit more creative. I, I wonder, I wonder if, you know, is there going to be more people coming from the east to hunt elk this year, or are they they going to wait a year or two? It's there's certainly some opportunities there. I think, I think, for a large segment of the the hunting culture, the hunting society, um, 
economic economic struggle is in, inherently going to limit expenditure to some extent. And so I agree with you. People are going to hunt in their in their in their backyards, in their locale uh, that they grew up in, that they know. I don't that people aren't going to stop. But the travel hunting, um, the price of airfare, the price of just everything. I do think that you will see a decline. But the interesting thing, and I don't know how it works out west. I don't even. To be, you, you mentioned out, you know, in the east. Well, honestly, in most of the states that I hunt, and most of the states um, where you see a very large hunting uh, culture, are are they're not lottery. They're over the counter. Now you may have to draw to hunt certain public areas in some states. Um, Iowa and Kansas are draw states for non-resident whitetail hunting, but you can turkey hunt over the counter in those states. Um, you can do a lot of other outdoor activities um, in those states over the counter. And most of your southern states, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, all over the counter. You can just drive down and stop at Walmart and buy a deer tag and go hunt deer license. So, um, but what you see is, you know, like, I first started going, Kansas, everybody knows, Kansas is, is like, and it is, this is not marketing. Kansas is, at least certain parts of Kansas, is big buck central for whitetail. It's the land of the giants. Now, it's only topped by Iowa, and it's no, um, it, 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 it's not uh, uh, a coincidence that those two states are, the most heavily managed by the, the state DNR in terms of how much hunting, how much, um, what their tag lot. I mean, it takes five years of points to draw one whitetail buck tag in Iowa as a non-resident. Yeah. You know, um, and Kansas is getting to the point where the first, so I'll say, I think it's been 12 years ago, I think. It may not have been quite that long. I need to do the math. Somewhere between 10, 10 and 12 years ago when I first started going and 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 trying to deer hunt in Kansas, and I and I hunt in Southeast Kansas. Uh, I have hunted and taken one deer in Northeast Kansas, but most of the years I hunt in Southeast Kansas. And one of the first couple of years I went, they used to actually sell the leftover tag at midnight on like a day following the draw. And I actually hunted on a leftover tag one year. It was they they did not. Um, all the tags weren't claimed. Since then, I've drawn every year, but it's getting so much more popular. And I'm curious to hear your your opinion on on kind of where I'm going with this. Um, there's so many more people putting in. There's so many more people um, entering the lottery that there's no such thing as a leftover tag. Every tag gets claimed. And and friends of mine that are outfitters and guides in the area for the first time ever over the last couple of years have actually had um, an actual a number of clients not draw a number great enough that they had to really look at their business plan and say like this is a lot like this is a lot this isn't one or two guys that we just forward to the next year like this is a, a big chunk of our revenue and our schedule guys that aren't getting a tag um, and you hear in the outdoor industry whether it be in the entertainment industry on the on the television shows and digital series where you have people promoting the sport of hunting through entertainment 
or or in conservation organizations like you know NWTF, uh, RMEF, uh, DU Delta, all these different things. It's a common thing that we're pushing. We're constantly pushing to get people involved with hunting. That that that, that hunting is dying. That license sales are down. Everywhere I go, everywhere I go, in every type of hunting I do, there are more people hunting today than there were yesterday. There are more people leasing land to hunt on, buying. The price of everything is going up because, you know, I don't know a single outfitter that has any that, that has any problem selling a hunt anywhere of any kind. There's a line out the door if they do a good job. Now, obviously, um, I think that uh, commerce and, and you know, uh, business practices are what they are anywhere. And if you don't do a good job at what you do and what you sell, then you're going to have a problem. But I'm talking about people who do a good job. They have good property. They sell good hunts that, you know, there's value. They're going up in price because the line is wrapping around the building and they don't have a problem filling any and everything that they need to sell or want to sell. And you can't get, you can't lease private land to hunt on um, because they're, everybody who's got good property, it, this is in, in the areas that I am privy to, they've got five or six people on speed dial that will grab up the lease immediately if it comes up unavailable and then there are on in the south and in the east there's um there's a lot of you can find various opinions but there's plenty of people who who will claim and i am in that case that public land hunting in the south and in the east can be difficult because of the numbers of people so what are your thoughts I well, know more people coming out west. Honey. I'll say this. I mean, obviously, you guys have. I mean, it sounds like if someone who lives, I'll just say east of the Mississippi, I think we could even include Texas into that. But it sounds to me that it, if if you live, you know, east of the Mississippi, if you want to hunt, there's, there's opportunities. There's tags that are available. And I, I really feel like that's in pretty stark contrast to to, to out west because our deer numbers are shrinking and as a result you know biologists have to respond at least we hope they respond um i know there's hunters that frustrated that they don't respond um but the truth is like in the area that i hunt in southern utah they significantly reduced tags this year and so the opportunity to hunt it is not there and i think frankly a lot of hunters are figuring out like hey i like to hunt and, you know, here in the West, mule deer and elk hunting are predominantly what, what people hunt. And uh, consequently, those, those opportunities for tags are shrinking. And so I think hunters are saying, hey, I want to keep hunting. Um, what other opportunities are out there? And I think that's why you might see, um, you know, an uh, increase of applicants in like um, Kansas and Iowa um, to put in for whitetail because perhaps more, I think, more and more western hunters are are going back east and, and hunting in the midwest and taking opportunities to hunt in in alaska and, and canada or perhaps for the first time with with an outfitter um and like i said due to our due to our drought and it's been a pretty significantly prolonged drought it has affected deer numbers they've had to they've had to 
you know, make some pretty tough decisions, which is tag reduction. But yeah, I, I think by and large, um, there is a stark contrast opportunity. I think for me, one thing I really worry about, especially as a father, is I worry about um, kids, at least here in the West, that don't have the opportunity to hunt because they can never draw a tag. Uh, some, you know, some departments of, of wildlife have elected to reserve a group of tags that are specifically for kids that are under the age of 18. I think that's great. I would love to see more of that. Um, you know, one question I was going to ask you, Locke, was do you feel like overall deer numbers in terms of whitetail, do you guys have a, would you say you have a pretty healthy population of whitetails? Do you see that number shrinking? Does it seem to be, or does it seem to be fairly healthy? It is, it's more than healthy. It's exploding in most places. Um, so now there are pockets throughout that you both locally to me in and around my area and areas across the, 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 I haven't heard so much in the Northeast, but in the East, Southeast, we do have, and in the Midwest, obviously that these are easily documented cases. You can find breakouts of EHD and CWD kind of breakouts that will hurt populations very um, regionally focused to where the breakout is. But as a whole, um, no. Now, there are, like anywhere else, there are, you know, you go along the Mississippi River Basin, it's more fertile ground, and the deer numbers tend to be higher. But you also go through years where there's a lot of river basin flooding, and that affects everything. But generally speaking, um, we are not running out of deer. Right. We're running, in my opinion, in many places, and this is not every every county, every unit of every state. This is just speaking kind of generally and conversationally. We're running out of space for people to hunt more so than we are deer. From fag fragmentation, development, um, suburban metropolitan growth, um, et cetera, and et cetera. Um, and you guys have a significant. You guys have significantly less public land than we do yeah when it gets very crowded very crowded because the price of leased land leased hunting land is especially private land it's through the roof it's crazy i mean it, really good hunting land that you can enjoy year round you know you can deer hunt it you can turkey hunt it in the spring maybe it's got fishing ponds and lakes on it and, and so it's a you know, that kind of stuff can, can literally get up in the 50 to $60 an acre range. And, that, and, and that's you're talking about it. And, and that's unfortunate too, especially as we talk about this, this next generation of hunters. I mean, yeah. we're, you know, we're pretty soon, we're going to be passing the torch on to them as a, in, in terms of conservation and hunting and the what, what the future hunting looks like. And that, that is a concern for me, at least out West, um, that, that these kids aren't, getting the opportunity mm -hmm. to hunt. and if they don't get the yeah. opportunity to hunt they're going to lose interest they're going to move on to other things and so you know i would i would hope that that there's outfitters i mean i think we need more outfitters and even private land owners that need to recognize um that you know that we all have to collectively sacrifice right um you know i think it'd be great to have programs with some of these private landowners and and even outfitters that say hey we're going to 
you know, we're going to donate one or two hunts per year. And, and it doesn't even have to be a trophy hunt. It could be a management hunt um, that gives a kid the opportunity to get out and go hunting. And, and maybe that's not as big, a big of a deal, um, you know, in, in your neck of the woods, but certainly in the West, I'm seeing more and more of that, you know, you, you run into friends and, you know, hunting companions here in your community and you get talking about hunting and they're like, yeah, my, my kid hasn't even drawn a tag in three or four years. And that's, that's problematic. I mean, we have a small window to hopefully make an impression and, and uh, yeah. get out there and hunt with them. And so I think, I think that's something that's yeah. a big, it's a hot topic. It's a big concern for me as a parent to be able to have those opportunities to get my kids out and, and hunt more. You know, what's really interesting in hearing you say that is we share a similar concern, but for a completely different reason. So um, here, there is, there is the programs that you talk about, you can find those, but let me try to say this without sounding insensitive because I don't mean it insensitively, but most of those things, and, they're, and it's great. I'm not saying this negatively at all. Most of those things revolve around children with needs, children that, you know, lack opportunity. Um, and there's only so much of it to have a real impact. The problem that we share is the general concept of, of bringing kids into it. In your case, um, the, the, the populations, the tag availability here, you can get a license. But, you know, um, a 13-year-old boy, a 12 or 13-year-old boy, they have sports, they have video games and technology that are grabbing their attention. And if, if you don't have the money to get access and you don't, um, you know, have all that and you can take him hunting, but you take him three or four times and it's kind of a boring experience outside right in front of my eyes. I've been being told by the, the, uh, the men in my life from the hunting camp and the church and, 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 you know, that, uh, growing up that one day hunting's going to be a rich man's game. And, you know, if you're living in a lot of this area of the world, um, where I, and I say this area in the South, if you're not willing to spend somewhere in the five, six, thousand dollar a year range for just simple access then you're you know you're not going to be able to and unless your kid is one that just loves the woods you could take them hunting on overcrowded public the small bit of public land overcrowded where they're going to probably have a bad experience or not right very not a very good experience yeah and and in today's in today's society you know years ago maybe Years ago, maybe a kid didn't really have anything better to do. So even if hunting wasn't real productive, it was better than doing chores at home. Now, Dad, it's cold, it's raining, it's wet. We haven't seen a deer in three weekends of of trying. I'd rather just stay home and watch TV and play video games. Like they're they're so well, engaged with other things. Well, and that's the thing is, there's a different generation. The fact that that kids have so many options that, frankly, we didn't have as kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it like you, you not only have to get them out hunting, but you have to, um, you know, in the spirit of frankness, they, like they have to have a good experience. They actually have to see game. In fact, I remember 
uh, about three years ago, I, you know, I, my, my youngest son, Will, we, I was, we were take, I was, he had a tag and, um, I was, you know, I was, I was pretty, pretty hell bent on getting him a, a nice buck and we hunted hard and I could tell he was starting to lose interest and I was starting to wear him down. And, and we, um, finally one night, in fact, this is funny as hard as him and I hunted one night, I told my wife, we're going to go out for the evening. Um, and, and this was an area we weren't even going to really do much hiking in my life. So like, well, why don't you throw the other two little, two little ones in. And so I actually threw my, my, my five-year-old, my seven-year-old in. And I thought, well, we're not going to be able to get out and hike. So I just kind of went to this, this area that had been kind of chained. And, um, anyway, I was just, we were kind of, I was driving real slow and just glassing this chained area and boom, here's this giant buck. I mean, it was, it was surreal. And I got him out and I got him on it and the, the light was fading and, and he, he laid eyes on this big buck. And anyway, we, we never ended up, um, we never ended up getting a shot at the buck, but I'll tell you what, that kid was wound up, man. And he was, it, it didn't, didn't take any, um, it, it took very little effort to get him up the next morning. He was stoked. He was ready to go. And, and so, yeah, to your point, I think it's not just getting kids out, but get, getting, having, letting kids have a great experience. And you talk about, you know, it's getting to be a rich man sport. I'll tell you what, you, you talk to a lot of the old timers out West here. And they'll tell you we're already there. Like it's, you know, I, I run into a lot of these old timers and yeah, I don't even put in anymore. It's kind of turned into a rich man's sport and you can't ever draw a tag. And, and that's, that's super, you know, that's super unfortunate. And I think as we talk about, you know, the preservation um, of hunting and future generations, like I really believe that's something that we, we as hunters just need to, we need to figure some things out and make more of a concerted effort to, to allow this next batch, this next crop of hunters coming up to, to have some great experiences. And I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but definitely as, as a parent, I want my kids to have positive experiences. And so I'm, I'm making a concerted effort to get them on hunts where I know they're going to have a great experience. Well, there are, so many conversations that we can have off of this. And that's the great thing about doing the podcast is we're, this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk and share our opinions from our experiences as people in the industry, fathers with, with sons learning and growing to hunt and as well as colleagues uh, in the industry. And we're going to use that as kind of the springboard to hopefully really dive into these type of conversations as well as a lot of other things. Um, and it's going to be, um, <laughs> hopefully we can cover like a very broad spectrum because I, I, I'm, there's so many things that I want to, to say just about this one little topic that we're talking about now. Right. Um, but you know, uh, and we could spend all the rest of today going back and forth and, and sharing stories that complement, um, you know, some of the topics and, and things like that. And, and hopefully that's what this podcast becomes is something that we can entertain and form, educate. And otherwise that's what we want to do. And, and, uh, and just deep dive into these. One of the, one of the other things that I wanted to talk about just a little bit here yeah. today, and this, this kind of first one is like, 
Um, I know a lot of people that are tuning in um, are interested in in also kind of, I, I get these questions a lot, interested in what's going on in the industry, the outdoor industry itself. Um, as a business owner, um, what do you feel like is a state of the union uh, for the outdoor industry in, in general? Well, I... I mean, in terms of, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's super, super robust and super healthy. I mean, never in the history of forever have hunters had more options, more gear options. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's new companies popping up every day. I think competition is great. It's healthy. It's good to have. I think, um, you know, I think hunters by and large have just so many great options in, in, in that respect obviously considering what's what's happened with the pandemic i mean it's created some um inventory issues i think with everybody in the industry trying to get uh you know making sure that we we get items um in stock i i think that's been a bit of a challenge to to ensure that that's happening so anyway yeah just uh i i think by and large the outdoor industry is in a in a very good place um you know, other than, other than the supply chain, there's, there's been a little bit of a glitch, but I will tell you, I think that, um, I think we're, we're, we're kind of past that now. And, um, you know, for, for companies that have struggled to have things in stock, we know, we know as hunters, man, when we're ready to go and we're preparing for a hunt, we want to be able to, to place an order and know that things are in stock. Uh, again, it's been a bit of a challenge, but I think, uh, I think most, um, people in the hunting industry that sell hunting gear are in a pretty good place this fall. So I think, I think hunters can expect to, to see things uh, in stock and get inventories. Well, um, I think we're in an interesting place. I am very interested to see as a consumer and as someone who works in the space, we're coming, this is like the first year that that it feels like coming into the season, uh, the, the season meaning kind of as outdoorsmen, our season really, this is my opinion. Um, uh, and and it's, I would call it an educated opinion just from the work that I've done. When you get past July the 4th, you slowly start to turn the page and we get beyond summer vacation. We get beyond the family summer activities and people start to look back towards um, okay, the fall's coming. We're going to start going back to school in August. Um, we've, we've probably wrapped up our summer vacations or, or we're about to, and our industry kind of kicks off, you know, um, we start to, uh, to, to, to really look that way. And this is the first year since, uh, I feel like that, that the pandemic changes in society are, are really going to be faded into memory and what i mean by that is um from an outdoor industry perspective the limitations on shopping and traveling and um uh, maybe even the inherent fear of, of people moving around and and stuff like that i, I think is really in the rearview mirror more so so um the the very popular e-commerce trends of 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 just society in general how are they going to change in, in this industry? Um, obviously, the travel restrictions 
uh, being eased up on. Uh, but then that's offset with the expense of the economy. <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly. So it's an in, it's an interesting year. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting year. Very interesting year. Um, I know it's become very popular, and I mean I'm I take this in as a consumer. Like the DIY, like so you look at spring turkey. Um, one of the real popular things in spring turkey hunting right now is, is the trying to, um, you know, kill a, a turkey, um, fill a turkey tag or kill a turkey or however you want to put it, in all 49 states that have a legal turkey hunting season. Alaska does not have a turkey hunting season. All other 49 states do. How much more – that that's challenging in and of itself, and it takes most people, you know, several – years if not a decade to accomplish it how much harder does it get um obviously uh the travel and the restrictions to do something like that through the last two years through the pandemic and now with the economy but then not just that we're also seeing a a big uh influence of these digital hunting series and and groups online that um traveling and using all the new uh, mapping technology that we have with Onyx and some of the others that uh, hunt stand and all these other, people are traveling and seeking out little small pockets and corners of public ground or maybe just um, efforting to gain access on private ground. And people are traveling to hunt different places and they're showcasing that on YouTube and places like that. How is that affected? How has that changed? I mean, that's obviously. Right. Well, and I'll tell you what, I would love to do an entire podcast on the evolution of hunting and, and what technology. And um, I mean, good grief with, with all the technology that we have. I mean, when you talk about hunting gear, I mean, we literally have, um, you know, companies like, um, you know, Onyx and um, base map and all these different companies. I mean, you, you, you can navigate your way in and around private ground. I mean, it allows you to be a more effective hunter. We have, you know, we have superior glass in terms of optics and binoculars and range finders with, you know, precision accuracy and long range rifles. And I mean, for crying out loud, we got bows now that'll shoot in excess of a hundred yards accurately. I'm not, not suggesting that's even ethical, but again, another podcast in and of itself, but, I don't know, man, that the, you know, the evolution of hunting and, and technology, it provides a lot of, um, it provides a lot of opportunities for success. But I think too, man, that it's that, um, at least out West here that I, I really think it's, it's been one thing that has, um, really devastated the, the, the top end I'm talking the, in terms of trophy hunting, um, Hunters are just incredibly good uh, because of the great, you know, the great technology that's um, really been kind of just sprung up here in the last 10 to 15 years. I mean, we have we have every tool in our tool belt to allow us to be successful. And so I think it's really changed the way we hunt. And uh, it's really interesting topic. It, it, It is. It is, but I, you know, like there's so many things that, that, uh, that play into this conversation. I mean, I, like you look back at 2020, I don't know how it was out there in the West and different places, 
and obviously you guys have more restrictive issues with being able to gain access or and have tag 2020 from an outdoor perspective was like we had more people in the woods hunting because they had nothing else to do but it was also gas was a dollar and 50 cents a gallon right so they could get in their car and drive all over the place and go hunting because they couldn't do anything else you know right. there was, well, there was nothing domestic, else. yeah domestic travel i mean uh rv sales went through the roof yeah. because people realized hey we can't we we've got to travel domestically we've got a lot of you know from sea to shining sea i mean america's pretty beautiful and there's a lot of great spots and people are like hey let's let's travel domestically i think that played in yeah. hunting in a very big very way. much so. Right? so but but what happens in 2022 when all of the restrictive things are gone but can you afford to drive an rv across right. america with at diesel at six dollars a gallon i drive well, a diesel truck and it i drive a a, a, a a Ram 2500 diesel truck. And I used to not think anything about jumping in my truck and driving up to North Missouri or Kansas or, or Nebraska or, or West Texas on a hunt. It was, I was a couple of tanks of diesel and, you know, right. nothing. Now I have to like, I'm literally looking at my son, my 13 year old son. This was the first year I attempted to put him into uh, now we've gone on turkey hunts in other states. This is, he killed his, his first deer with his bow last year. He killed a nice buck. You can watch that hunt at, at on Scree's YouTube channel. And he's big into it. So he actually drew a Kansas tag, a Kansas youth tag, whitetail tag. And now I'm looking at it like, you know, are we going to, am I going to try to make one trip to just guide and support him on his hunt? And then I'm going to go back and hunt. But if I do that, like if, if, if things are how they are. I'm interested now we go from like the you you put the two against each other in 2020 we had restriction and we had a lot of free time to enjoy the outdoors and we had a good economy and it was affordable and then you jump forward to 2022 and you have all of this technology that can get you into the furthest reaches and and be as informed as possible to get there but can you get there Right. Well, here, can you I, I think it? I have. I think I have the short answer to that. Here, I mean, look. There's you could categorize hunters, right? There's there's hunters. You know, like I have people that I live around, friends and stuff. They're they're what we call weekend warriors. You know, they're they're gonna go up. They're gonna hunt opening weekend of the deer hunt, and that's about it. You know, they they love it, but it's not something they're super super passionate or or even obsessed with. Then you have your hunters that are passionate, right? I think a lot of those hunters are still going to find a way to go and hunt. And then you have guys like, you know, Locke Wheeler and Mike Nielsen that are, that are hosts of this podcast that we're, we're fairly obsessed with hunting. We're going to find a way we're going to go mow lawns for crying out loud on the weekend. Like we're, I believe those that are, that are passionate and even obsessed with hunting, we're going to find a way to, to make it happen. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of the short answer, but it, it's going to be painful, man. I mean, it's like I say, I drive the exact same truck as you. I, I drive a Dodge 2500 Ram and it's, it's what, 150, 160 to, to fill up. Um, you know, and I, I, I talked earlier about that trip to Canada. I mean, it, as painful as it was, we, we found a way to, to, to make it happen. And, and it was a great trip. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think by and large, I mean, I, I think we're going to fill it. I think the entire industry is going to, to an extent, fill it. But I don't know. I, I really feel like those that are passionate and, and even obsessed are going to find a way to, to go. And that might mean, hey, that might mean that you're not going to buy all the gear items that you want. You're not going to, you know, maybe you sit out, sit it out a year on replacing that hunting jacket or whatever the case may be. Um, at Scree, we certainly hope you don't, but, <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I think guys are going to find a way to, to make it happen and they're going to get out there and they're going to hunt. Um, for us in the West, again, it's just, it comes down to opportunity in the state of Utah. I mean, if, like I said, we predominantly hunt, you know, mule deer and elk, we, we have what we call our once in a lifetime game, like your, your bison and your rocket, you know, your Rocky mountain, bighorn sheep and desert bighorn sheep and moose and so on and so forth. But for, for as far as elk and mule deer, I mean, the only opportunity is to draw, and it's getting progressively harder to draw a mule deer tag. Um, we do have a, an over-the-counter uh, elk opportunities, but it's kind of first come, first serve. And honestly, our, our opportunities are kind of shrinking in Utah. There are some Western states that we can, you know, maybe address on another day where you can, you can still get an over-the-counter elk tag but yeah i think the, the 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 short answer that ended up being kind of a long answer i apologize is is yeah guys are gonna find a way all right i think i agree with you because i know i'm in that boat <laughs> I, i'm talking about it as a concern but i know that in the end the the concern will be met with some sort of solution because i don't feel like there's any any uh any way around it i couldn't imagine not um i am uh and I do you something you mentioned, I think that is, is great content and I'm going to start to wrap up here by, by kind of doing this. Uh, I think it, it, it's well served here in the introductory episode to our podcast and people kind of getting to know what we're doing here and hopefully interested in following along. I think it would be great for us to, to help people understand better people that are interested in hunting in the East or hunting in the West and um, trying to help bring content uh, to them that will help them learn, uh, from others experiences about the best way to do those things. And, um, and so many other things I, I want to encourage people and we'll, we'll distribute this all over the place, but my email address is lock and that's L O C K E at screegear.com. And I want people to, to feel free to send me their feedback and things that they would like to hear us talk about on this podcast. And I'm not going to do this all the time, but for now, I think it's important to keep uh, to start with engagement and, um, and hearing those kind of things and, and want to, uh, to really get a feel for what our audience is going to be. And what Absolutely. kind of things. Absolutely. And I would also, hear. I would also throw my email out there as well. Mike at screegear.com. Yeah, we, we genuinely want to know, I mean, what what are topics you're interested in? I mean, we we hope to, again, we've kind of lightly covered. I mean, we want to talk about the evolution of hunting. We want to talk about, you know, we want to ask compelling questions. We want to talk about elk and whitetail and, and mule deer and hunting in Alaska and, and conservation. And we've talked a lot today about hunting with kids. We want to talk more about that. We also want to talk about you know, hunting gear and survival topics and um, the list goes on and on. But yeah, we'd love to genuinely hear 
what, what is it? Um, what are some of the topics you would love for us to cover? Yeah, I think uh, people, um, I think people have like the hunting is like we've shared our concerns about the challenges in some cases of getting youth involved and that being the, the, the future of hunting. But then on the other hand, I think there's more diversity in the general hunting public today than maybe there's ever been. Um, there's people coming from lots of different walks of life. And, um, obviously with this being, a um, a podcast that we stated early on is expected to be broad. Um, we expect, uh, to cover things from every corner of the general hunting culture, um, and society, so to speak, that, uh, we want to, we want to, we want to entertain, inform and educate and, uh, cover lots of different stuff. So please feel free to, to email us those, those things. If, if you've wondered, if you've been following Scree as a brand in the outdoor and hunting space, and you've wondered why, why don't these guys do a podcast? Seems like everybody does a podcast. Well, here we are. <laughs> we, we've finally gotten around to it and we're I doing it. The game, but Hey, we're, we're, uh, we, 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 we get an A for effort, right? Yeah. I, I we're, we, we are getting in, we are throwing our, uh, we're casting our lot into this and, um, just excited to see where it will go. And, and I, um, uh, I think I just kind of want to wrap up with, 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 with just kind of saying that, you know, we're mid off season here and we're going to attempt to, uh, kind of stay relevant, but also just kind of dive off into whatever lands in our lap as an opportunity to, to share engaging and interesting content with people. So right now, um, I personally, I spent three hours on a tractor yesterday starting to cut and in, in whitetail country, you got to time that because you want to cut two to three weeks before the fawns start dropping. Um, first for, Obviously, first of all, you don't want to run over a baby fawn that mom's got tucked in some high grass, you know, so I'm starting to do that. I also am going on an elk hunt in, in September, so I'm preparing for that. Um, and uh, like yeah, I mentioned just recently, found out about drawing a Kansas tag, so I got to start preparing for that. Um, it's off season and topics can be a little bit slow, but uh that's going to be a lot of where, where my focus is. What are you guys doing out West right now? If, if it's, it's June. What yeah. Do you, do? I think, you know, Hey, I mean, it, and I think one of the big differences, you know, I was just thinking, you know, 10, 15 year, years ago, you never, you never heard hunters being referred to as athletes. Right. But really, yeah. you know, really to, to hunt, especially in the West to climb some of these big rugged mountains and, these steep ascents, man, you gotta be, you gotta be in shape. I mean, I know one thing I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm trying to get in shape. I've got, um, I've got a high country mule deer hunt with my son in Colorado. You're hunting at high elevations and, and, um, you know, I don't think, I don't think we're going to try and go out and run any marathons prior to that, but, but there is some benefit for Western hunters right now. I think a lot of guys are getting in shape. Um, they're shooting their bows, they're shooting their rifles. 
they're starting to take stock and inventory of gear and just just getting ready for the season, which frankly for us out, out here in Utah, I mean, we're going to start hunting deer in, you know, uh, middle August. So yeah, you're not, that far not, away. not very far away. Yep. That's interesting. Well, let's start to wrap this up, Mike, and, and just encourage people to, to follow along. Um, stick with us as we evolve this and, um, and get it going. And, uh, hopefully we can, we can, uh, kind of find our way along in this and, and, and we're going to distribute on all of the major podcast platforms. You'll also be able to find information at screen, screengear.com and all our social media as we, as we drop, uh, reminders and teasers and, and all that and, and, and try to get, get to a regular rotation or schedule of dropping a couple of podcasts a month and covering a lot of interesting things using our experience and our uh, uh, connections through the, the people that we know and that we've worked with to bring a lot of really, really cool and interesting topics and guests and expert opinions and things like that. So um, if, if you don't have anything to add, we're going to wrap up here, Mike, and uh, just encourage people to communicate with us. Um, let us know what you're thinking and help us get this evolved into what we know it can be and, and, and a real, you know, a really cool thing for people to follow along with. And, and for us, just to, uh, honestly, we're going to have fun doing it. So, Yep. I'm looking forward to it. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, Mike Nielsen, my name is Locke. You'll follow, uh, you'll, you'll find out more and more about this as we evolve. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Scree Country Podcast.